lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And don't forget every now and then on Facebook, you might see hashtag Facebook approved takes. That's me presenting you information. Facebook would prefer I not show you. But if I throw it up there with the regime approved narrative and then include that hashtag, it both tricks the algorithm and then also lets you know that I don't believe what I am about to say. So look out for that every now and then. Uh, If you don't want to have to navigate all of that, just follow us on MeWe, Parlor, Gab, and Getter. Uh, Those places are free of censorship. Just look for my name, Steve Dace, there. And again, we get tons of emails along these lines. Every link you would want, everything we've ever talked about, ever. That, including every footnote in this, in our best-selling book, Fauci and Bargain, everything we've included and discussed on this show when it comes to COVID is on one, if not all, of those social media feeds. All right, so look at that as like a permanent archive for you to go back and get stuff. I've got emails from people that are uh, looking for information for court briefs, court filings, um, for human resource applications on vaccine mandates. And God bless you. I just don't have time to answer all of you individually. That's why we we try to bookmark all that stuff for you on all of our social medias, okay? So Facebook, look for me there. Uh, MeWe Parlor, Gab, and Getter. Look for Steve Dace there. Follow me on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And then every now and then we put up some specialty clips. And then every day we put up clips of the show that you can watch for free that are free of censorship at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show, including in the last couple days, uh, we put up an extra clip there for free on the vaccine facts that you they don't want you to know. We did that as a separate breakout clip, I believe. Didn't we take yesterday's overtime, Aaron, right? Correct. And if you have not watched yesterday's overtime, that's that's typically just for subscribers, but we, we just decided in real time after that conversation yesterday that, that everybody possible needs to see this. All right. So you can watch yesterday's overtime for free. We spoke to the attorney representing a man at the Wisconsin State Supreme Court that the Wisconsin State Supreme Court, a majority of the justices anyway, four of them are trying to kill. Uh, they, they won't let him have ivermectin. He, him and his family have agreed to have a, a separate doctor administer it, not the hospital to sign off on on deflecting any liability for any sort of uh, reaction to the medication so that nobody at the hospital would be liable, nobody at the hospital would have to serve it. That's not good enough for the Wisconsin State Supreme Court. They want to kill him. And the reason they want to kill him and is the reason that I get so many of these kinds of emails in my inbox every week from people with similar stories. They want to kill you. You cannot be the control group. In facts, it doesn't sound like Bill O'Reilly knows for $1,000, Alex. In the first four weeks of October 2021, we had 69% more COVID cases and 85% more COVID deaths than the first four weeks of October 2020 when no one was vaccinated. Let me repeat that. 
CDC is now saying over 80% of Americans have had at least one dose of vaccine. Over 90% of senior citizens are fully vaccinated in America. No one was vaccinated last year. And yet the first four weeks of October last year had 69% fewer COVID cases and 85% fewer COVID deaths. Somebody get that information to Bill O'Reilly. Mr. Everywhere the vaccine rates go up, transmission rates stop, stat. That's not true. Apparently he didn't see the study from that guy at Harvard a few weeks ago that looked at every county in the U.S. and dozens of countries and couldn't find any correlation between an increase in vax rates and, a, and lower transmission rates. Remember that study? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let me repeat that again. 85% more COVID deaths and 69% more COVID cases in the first four weeks of October 21 than we had in the first four weeks of October 20 when no one was vaccinated. They want to kill you. They will not let you be the control group that proves these vaccines are a trash product. And that's the best case scenario, that they're a trash product whose efficacy fails every few months or with some new strain and will therefore require you get re-injected repeatedly, reboosted repeatedly, thus multiplying the risks of adverse side effects repeatedly. That is the best case scenario. Anybody in conservative media, and I don't care what platform they work for or what their names are or how wealthy you made them in the past or how many best-selling books they've ever had or how many podcast downloads they have. Anybody, anybody telling you differently is either uninformed or lying. I don't know how else to put that because there's not a third option. The best case scenario is that these are a trash product. That you will need to be re-injected repeatedly, reboostered repeatedly, thus multiplying the risks of side effects repeatedly. Now, we can debate why that's the case, and I don't know the answer to that. It could be they were always a trash product. It could just be the Delta variant turned them into such. Now, if it's the latter, boy, that gets us down the road of a conversation. I guess a bunch of vaccination shills don't want to have, I'm guessing. Well, why did the Delta variant do that then? Hmm. I don't know what that answer is. I don't know. But I do know this. They're a trash product. The other reason I know it is because they want to mandate it. And they want to make sure to kill people that aren't vaccinated that end up in the hospital if they can. Because they don't want a control group proving this fact. If Obamacare was great, they wouldn't have had to mandate it. If these vaccines were a Salkian level achievement, if we were eradicating smallpox, they wouldn't have to mandate it. Every time you were at a damn Walmart, people would literally be clawing over each other like the PlayStation 5s were back in stock to get one of these. Ever notice, though, every time you go to Walmart and Target, no one's there. Ever notice that? Because all people are sinful, but not all people are stupid. 
just apparently a lot of people that work in this industry. The best case scenario is they are a trash product. And I'm going to warn you guys up front, I'm just going to get a lot meaner. Okay? The last, you know, early in my career, I went after posers in our movement and industry, and a lot of you frankly hated me for it. So I just decided, you know what? I got to build my own brand. I'm probably not a big enough name to fact check star or so-and-so. People get their idolatry on, right? I'm just going to put my head down. We haven't done a lot of that the last several years. We just kind of do our own thing, right? Right. We're not going to do that as much anymore. We're on, the, we're on the cusp of history here. You see that there? That's the cliff we're about to go over as a society. I've got three children, one an adult, two about to be. I'm about to hand them off whatever's left of this carcass of a country. We don't have time for this crap anymore. We don't have time for Sean Hannity to keep putting Lindsey Graham on his show to lie to his audience. Lindsey, shoot the rioters, Graham. We don't have time. We're out of time. Out of time. This is the final drive of the football game, and the coach doesn't have time to say, hey, guys, if you don't mind, we really need a completed pass here. It's fourth down and forever. You know, just do your best, though. Do your best. It's just the Super Bowl, and, you know, if we don't complete this pass, you know, we did our best, and, you know, that's the end of a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Shucks. Nope. Nope. We don't, we're out of time. Do your damned jobs. Research. Don't be a shill. Stop lying. Be a professional. Stop getting outworked from a community college grad born to a 15-year-old mom. Do your damn job. Something more important than your positioning with the Facebook algorithm is at stake. Do your damn job. Do the job. The vaccines are a trash product, best case scenario, that will require reoccurring boosters and thus risk reoccurring multiplication of adverse side effects ratios. That is the best case scenario. They know this, which is why they will kill you if they can. They will deny you every early treatment if they can. They will put you on a ventilator, which is literally a flip of Harvey Dent's coin of whether you walk out of that hospital alive if they can. They will try to drug you with remdesivir right away. And that's a flip of a coin, whether it works or causes renal failure for you. They will do that right away. They will tell you they don't have supplies of antibodies, even though they do. They will ration them for no reasons at all. Why they would prefer you to be dead than to prove that their vaccine is a trash product and be the control group. They will not permit a control group. Anybody in our industry that will not tell you this is not doing their job or is they are beyond naive. And this isn't just a simple difference of opinion. What pro-life tactic to take? Do we vote for this budget resolution or the next? This is life or death, man. There's a guy in Wisconsin right now that might die any minute from now. Any minute now. Over this stuff. And he's not alone. 
I got a dozen emails last night from people that are either in or know someone in the exact situation from that overtime. The stakes here are cosmic. They're bigger than clicks. They're bigger than ad ratios. They're life and death. Which is why earlier this year, I told one of our clients at Alliance Defending Freedom, I will no longer do their ads. Because they didn't seem to me like they understood the stakes here. They wanted to sit out. Well, thankfully, they've had a change of heart. In fact, I spoke to them personally myself last week. And now they're back on board. Any day now, the president is finally expected to unveil the language of his mandate that has not existed yet threatened all your jobs for the last month and a half. I got a personal one-on-one commitment from Alliance Defending Freedom. They will go to war against the Biden mandate the minute it is issued. The minute it is issued, they will go to war against it. It's amazing. It's amazing. Isn't it amazing? When we use these mighty platforms all of you give us, we use them for you and not for ourselves. And apply just a little bit of pressure, a little bit of leverage. And it was uncomfortable. The guy that runs ADF has been friends of mine, a friend of mine for over 10 years. But isn't it a, it's amazeballs if we're willing to be a little uncomfortable, if we're willing to put the truth ahead of friendships. It's amazing what we can do for you. There's a lot of people in our industry that talk a lot about, I'm fighting for you. Dan Bongino's actually out there doing it. He's off the air again this week. Let me remind you, just a few years ago, Dan was doing Facebook Lives from a room in his home. He's now the biggest star in our industry. And he doesn't have like a 20-year career. This thing just went supernova in the last couple of years. He's got a lot to lose doing this. But you know why he's doing it? Because we'll have a country to lose if people like him don't. So I could have kept my mouth shut, kept doing the thing with ADF and doing a bunch of lame spots about bake the cake bigot stuff. Meanwhile, can I breathe? Is, you know, I can't breathe is literally a thing. Except this time it's real. And it's not meth addicts who point guns at pregnant women's stomachs. It's like everyone in America. I could have done that. You know, at some point we'll get to the show, I promise. I gotta, I'm going to empty the tank, I think. Is that okay with you? I'm good. Hell yeah, it is. It's my name on the show. So I think I'm going I'm I'm to empty the tank. But I didn't do that. Because there's bigger stakes here than whether we meet our ad bonuses this quarter. And thankfully, I work for a company that understands that. So they let me do stuff like this. And lo and behold, lo and behold, now I will enthusiastically recommend that right now you go to adflegal.org slash Steve. I enthusiastically recommend you do this. adflegal.org slash Steve. Make a donation today, tax-deductible donation. They are going to go to war against the Biden vaccine mandate. And now we have maybe the conservative legal institution with the best record, the most high-profile successes of all the legal, the conservative legal beagles that we have on the right. Now now we're going to get them in the game. We're going to get them in the game now. 
the folks that beat the rainbow jihad, not once but twice at the U.S. Supreme Court, they're in the game now. They're going to war. Support that. This is what happens when we apply just a little bit of pressure and leverage, just a little, and ask for more than don't be Democrats and the worst people of all time. Don't be communists. Be better. There's two reasons why Bill Maher has developed a sizable conservative audience in the last year and a half. One is because of how nuts the Democrats have become. Fair? Fair. Want to know the other one? I didn't, I didn't tweet this out this morning. I saved it for y'all here on the show. I'll tell you the other one. Because Bill Maher's actually saying a bunch of stuff right now that you actually wanted a lot of your conservative pundits to say for the last 10 damn years. That's the other reason why. Is that fair? More than fair. You bet it is. So adflegal.org slash Steve. adflegal.org slash Steve. In fact... I'll make a donation too. I would urge you to make a donation. Now we've got the best and brightest that we have. They're now going to war, finally, against COVID Stan. ADFlegal.org slash Steve if you would like to make a tax-deductible donation. Coming up on the show today, Dr. Pierre Corey is going to join us next hour in a conversation you do not want to miss. We will discuss ivermectin and early treatments because he has done quite a bit of it. Then we will discuss in fake news or not how it's different what we hear from him compared to like, I don't know, everybody else. At the bottom of this hour, don't judge Colin Kaepernick until you have walked a mile in his shoes. He is back. We will discuss that for Pop Culture Tuesday. But before we get to all of that, delayed, but still worth hanging around for. Here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Election Day. All national eyes are on the Virginia gubernatorial race, which could shape up to be a bellwether for the rest of the country's local and statewide elections. The final real clear politics polling average has Republican Glenn Youngkin with a 1.7 point lead over Democrat Terry McAuliffe. The final three polls included in the RCP average have Youngkin winning by at least two points. Former Fox News darling and University of Virginia professor Larry Sabato says whites are the problem for McAuliffe. There's a lot of, we can call it white backlash, white resistance, uh, whatever you want to call it. It has to do with race. And so... We live in a post-factual era anyway, Chris. This is a post-factual era. It doesn't matter that it isn't taught in Virginia schools. It's this generalized attitude that whites are being put upon, and we've got to do something about it. McAuliffe himself says in his closing pitch, white teachers are the problem. 50% of the students in Virginia schools, K-12, 50% are students of color, and yet 80% of the teachers are white. We all know what we have to do in a school to make everybody feel comfortable in school. So let's diversify. Checking in on Joe Biden at the globalist warming get-together in Scotland. Yeah, he's asleep. The New York Post is reporting 26 New York Fire Department firehouses are currently out of service due to the city's vaccine mandate causing staff shortages. New York City Council Member Mark Levine tweets, Let's be clear, firehouses are not closed because of the mandate. They are closed because of people who are refusing to protect themselves, their families, their colleagues, and the public by getting a safe and effective vaccine. Checking back in on Joe Biden. 
He's still asleep. New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern was asked some inconvenient questions. This is an issue of... This is an issue... Sir, I'm going to ask... I'm going to answer the questions of the accredited media. Sir, I will shut down the press conference if you do not cease. Sorry, to our accredited members of uh, the gallery here, we might move to an inside venue. Unfortunately, we've got someone who's disrupting your press conference today. I'm going to go to the bathroom and then... Yes, Ardern says the person asking the questions, as you can hear, is an uncredentialed member of the press, whatever that means. Later in the video, we see the person asking the questions did indeed have a press pass. Checking in once more on Joe Biden, who is still asleep. Child abuse update, also known as the Branch Covidian cult. This is my daughter. Hi. She's nine. We're about to blind react to something. Okay. What does that say? Hold on, dear. What does it say? That vac the COVID vaccine for kids is so next week should be clear for kids through five to eleven. What does that mean for you? I can go with my friends. Yeah. I can finally, you know, go outside, go to stores. I'm excited. I'm excited. I thought it was going to be like in a couple months. No, apparently it's next week. <laughs> I love you, Mom. I love you too, Mom. She's white. You need to get vaccinated. Okay. All right. Checking in again on Joe Biden. Let's see what The View is talking about. Here we have our adorable COVID-19 vaccine. But we added a twist. We added the booster. We put an actual uh, kid's booster, my son's booster, on the back of the costume. And our trick-or-treater is ready to go. She's got her COVID-19 passport in the book there. And she's reminding everybody to go get your booster. Joe Biden is awake now and has this to say. Over the next several days, the United States will be announcing new initiatives to demonstrate our commitment providing innovative solutions across multiple sectors, from agriculture to oil and gas, to combating deforestation, deforestation to tackling hard and to abate industries. Former NFL quarterback Colin Kaepernick is back in the news with a new Netflix show or something where he compares NFL training camp to the slave trade. Before they put you on the field, teams poke, pride, and examine you searching for any defect that might affect your performance. No boundary respected. No dignity left intact. Come on, boy, hurry up. Look at that shake there. Look at this. Mr. Farber, I got your beard. Dirty, dang, dirty to you. In completely unrelated news, here's a headline from CBS News from a couple of weeks ago. Colin Kaepernick says he's still training five to six days a week in hopes of NFL comeback. And finally, this headline from the Babylon Bee. Kaepernick sad that no slave owner will enslave him no matter how many times he tries out to be a slave. And that's what happened while we were away. <laughs> That was an absolute fantastic montage. And I think maybe we're a little hard on Colin Kaepernick. We'll have more on this here in the next segment. But, I mean, we all remember that gripping scene in Roots when Kunta finds out 
how much his brand manager and baby mama are taking out of his uh, out of his check every month. I mean, you remember, you remember. I mean, I believe Lavar won an Emmy for that. I mean, with that one particular scene when he found out what baby mama and brand manager took out of his earnings every single month. Uh, I mean, I mean that that was. That was just absolutely soul crushing. I remember the dinner table conversations we had about that. Indeed. Uh, very, so very brave. Yes. So very brave, I think, was our, the response that we had when I was a kid. Indeed. Uh, Aaron's montage, uh, and, and including the absolute most endearing compilation of the Biden presidency thus far, okay, uh, <laughs> is brought to you by our friends uh, over at Sweat Block. Uh, look, we've all been there, and now that the cooler and the wintry weather is upon us, we don't have any excuses anymore for walking into that job interview or that speaking engagement uh, or that first date uh, or anywhere in public all sweaty anymore. Now they just know, yeah, you're one of those sweaters. You don't have to be with our friends over at Sweatblock. Get their Sweatblock antiperspirant wipes. They're stronger and more effective than even the most clinical antiperspirants. Simply apply them at night before bedtime. Uh, go to bed, get up the next morning, do whatever you do to get ready. You should be good to go for no pitting for at least a few days. All right. Some people can do it for an entire week or maybe just two a week. Now, they've also got, by the way, their own deodorant. It's fantastic. I've used it. They've also got deodorant lotions for some of those uh, more sensitive regions that can get a little swampy. Uh, They've got everything you're looking for at sweatblock.com. Use my last name, Dace, as your promo code, D-E-A-C-E, to get 20% off at sweatblock.com. Again, that's at sweatblock.com. Um. Since I uh, had to get a few things off of my chest here, we're a little short on time. So I just want to make two points before we get out of here for the first segment and and switch over to Pop Culture Tuesday, and we'll have more on Colin Kaepernick then. But um, uh, first and foremost, resolved. Um, Motion. From this time forward, anybody that uses anything whatsoever to do with because you're white as an instant deflection or ability to discuss anything of substance or serious whatsoever should no longer be engaged. Remember when I walked off the set on CNN when they brought, when they tried to have me come on with some dude whose name I don't know and never heard since because I was mem- a member of the Christian Taliban. Mm-hmm. And I was told, hey, you know what, that's, we're just, that's not a legitimate conversation. We're, um, the minute you allowed that to happen, this ceased to be legitimate. Therefore, it's not a legitimate you know, use of my time, right? right? So anybody that uses, because you're white, as a deflection for having any form of a substantive conversation whatsoever, or that's their analysis, A, should no longer be taken seriously, no longer be, no longer be, be, no longer be engaged on any level whatsoever. And C, you need to understand that you can't share a country with them and nor should you want to. That is the resolve. Do I have a second? Here. Uh, the eyes have it? Yes. So say we all, okay? That's, that's the first thing um, that I want to say. Um. The, the second thing I want to bring up is you're wearing a little sticker on your shirt today. What's it say? I voted today. Yes. So after we get in with the show today, I'm going to go over and vote in my school board election as well. Um, 
All, most of our lives, we have heard a lie that this is the most important election of our lifetimes. And almost never was that actually true. Sometimes it was. Sometimes there were tipping point elections. But was every single election a tipping point election? No. Did the world really change because John Boehner became Speaker of the House? No, it, it didn't. Okay. But you were told that every election anyway, right? Right. Right. Okay. This one might be one of those. Your school board elections. Today is the day to take those back. These have been Satan's youth ministry for far too long. Take your schools back now before the enemy, and I use that in the capital E sense, before the enemy uses them to take down our way of life for good from this time forward. Because this has been his primary vehicle and vessel for doing so. We allowed an entire generation to be discipled by the enemy in this system. And now we are reaping the whirlwind for that right now. So today is the day. Do some research in your community. Take back the schools where you live. That'll have more of an impact than the vast majority of Republicans running for Congress you'll probably vote for next year. Back here on the Steve Day Show, let's get to Pop Culture Tuesday, brought to you by Bilt Bar. So I've been waiting to try it live on the air. Had a buddy of mine text me last night. He beat me to the punch. He had tried the new Paranormal Pumpkin Puff they put out for Halloween season last week. And he texted me last night. He's like, holy cow, that's good. Okay. I just tried it. And you were like, hey, you're being really quiet over there. I Because I just kept eating it. That's, that's why. It is, I mean, it's... Phenomenal, guys. If you like pumpkin stuff, this is just a chocolate-covered pumpkin marshmallow. Except it's a protein bar. And it's not loaded with sugar. And it's not loaded with calories. And it's not loaded with fat or carbs. It is loaded with protein. Uh, It's loaded with flavor. And, I mean, I've had folks who have kids who uh, who are diabetic and they obviously miss out on the sweet stuff that they took them to the doctor, showed them the ingredients and said, all right, give it a shot, see what happens, see if we get a reaction. And the kids are able to eat the Built Bars as their substitute now for the sweet tooth. I'm telling you, man, not a lot of good things came out of last year, but me finding Built Bar for me was a great thing. That's why I want to, you find something like Built Bar, you want to share it with other people. That's how good it is. Okay, so if you want to give it a shot right now, uh, you can get the pumpkin puff or any of the other great flavors um, available right now for 15% off when you use my last name, Dace, as your promo code. D-E-A-C-E when you go to built.com. Again, that's built.com, promo code Dace for built.com. All right, so Colin Kaepernick is back in the news, and I don't want to just be another right-wing show that you know, picks this as a clickbaity topic and, you know, drops some one-liners and we all get a, a bunch of laughs. We put the clip out, you know, and get a bunch of clicks and enjoy, you know, essentially using him as a foil, right? We, we've always kind of been the show anyway that, you know, we, we, we have a contrarian way and view of things. And, and I do think, you know, you shouldn't judge a man until you've walked a mile in his shoes. I mean, that's fair, right? Sure. I mean... And so 
Before we get into what our colleague Jason Whitlock wrote yesterday about the the latest reboot of Colin Kaepernick's gr- gr- grift, I'm sorry, uh, gift, gift for addressing uh, issues of racial division in America. Thank you. Um, I, I just want to make sure we all know the story here, okay? Because if there's anybody, if there's anybody that has a life story that lends itself to having a racial axe to grind. It is the sad and sordid tale of Colin Kaepernick, folks. So let us begin this Pop Culture Tuesday when we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism. Let's let's start, you know, with the truth. We like the truth on this show, right? Love it. Okay. Colin Kaepernick was attempting to be a poor black child. Not of the Steve Martin variety, like a real one. He was attempting to be a poor black child. And then unfortunately, two white parents had the unmitigated goal to adopt him as their own and raise them in his home. Now, I don't know how you come back from being a clear victim of the racist patriarchy like that, that almost feels like you've been marked from birth. But it gets worse, folks. It gets worse. He tried out for the football team, had a knack for it. In fact, maybe even had real talent for it. And yet, probably because he's black... Um, Because we know that college football programs, they don't like to recruit black players. And so, therefore, he couldn't get any notice whatsoever. And then again, betrayed by the racist patriarchy, his white high school football coach took it upon himself to cut up highlight tapes of this black athlete preparing him, almost as if he's prepping him, grooming him for a slave auction. And begins sending these highlight tapes of this Mandingo warrior out to all these college programs all over the country as this tragedy just compounds. To make matters worse... They found a white college football coach by the name of Chris Alt, who looked again and said, yes, here is another black man I can exploit. Now disregard that Chris Alt was already in the College Football Hall of Fame as a coach and had already invented an entire offensive scheme called the pistol before anybody knew who Colin Kaepernick was. That doesn't matter. Because once you have committed the racist act that Chris Alt did by offering Colin Kaepernick a free ride, full ride scholarship for a free college education at the University of Nevada. What's past is prologue at that point. I mean, everything that you have done, we all agree that there there are just certain things in life that if you do them, if you cross that line, you cannot make what you did before cannot make up for it, right? right? Like it didn't really matter that John Wayne Gacy had a real knack 
for watercolors. I mean, he's really good at it. When they uncovered the bones of a bunch of boys he had killed in his yard, we kind of just forgot that this guy's got a bit of an artistic flair, right? Yes. And so here's Chris Alt, University of Nevada Hall of Fame coach, uh, invented an offense that is still used in college and pro football to this day. But once he decided to make the choice to exploit this young black man's talents for his own prosperous gain and offering him nothing in return other than a six-figure free college education. I, I mean, I just... I hate playing the race card here, but I don't know how any of you listening right now, if you have a soul, just could not be appalled. And then... And then finally, he is drafted way higher than anybody thought after his college career is over. He is drafted in the second round by another white football coach by the name of Jim Harbaugh at the San Francisco 49ers. Clearly, it was an act of white guilt working in the progressive city of San Francisco, of course. You would be counting, You would, if you are working in such a city, you know to count your privilege, to check your privilege. You know this. And so Jim Harbaugh decides, you know what, I've, I've got to make good here. Look at all the things that have been given to me. So let me take a chance and, you know, draft this black quarterback way ahead of where everybody else had him ranked in the second round. Which, of course, means more money for him being drafted earlier. Just another demonstration here of racial oppression. Finally, adding insult to injury. Piling scorn upon the mockery. In the middle of a season when his team is 5-1, and one, Jim Harbaugh benches his starting quarterback, who's white, and is a former number one overall pick in the NFL draft, meaning he was the first player chosen in the entire draft. He benches him, puts Colin Kaepernick in as a starting quarterback when no one had seen him play, so that again, he may exploit the physical traits and talents of this young black man to his own benefit. Ends up riding him all the way to the Super Bowl that year. They fall about six inches short. And you have to think this is, a, this is, a, this is another uh, part and parcel with uh, Jim Harbaugh's latent racism. If he had made the switch to Colin Kaepernick a week or two earlier, rather than holding on to that white quarterback, Alex Smith, way past his usefulness. And yes, I know Alex Smith played in the NFL 10 more years after that, but that's not important now. Had he made the switch even earlier, who knows? Kaepernick may have had the skills and abilities better honed to make up the difference and win that Super Bowl. But perhaps it is poetic justice that it didn't come through for the 49ers because that's what you get. Maybe that's the universe speaking for your attempts to exploit this young black man against his will while paying him. I just thought that that history here, who was Colin Kaepernick, the man, the myth, the shoe closet bigger than your home. Who was Colin Kaepernick before this real men of genius moment on your screen right here, before he took the knee? It's important. 
we should love our neighbors. We love ourselves. Let us not bear false witness, right? Right. We wouldn't want somebody to skew who we are and take our character out of context no. and spin it to their own narrative. We wouldn't want that, right? No. So I think it's only fair to set the proper context in history here for what you're about to hear next. This is our colleague, Jason Whitlock. Of course, uh, a black man not aware of his own latent racism uh, on behalf of the white patriarchy. Uh, writing for The Blaze today, he writes, For Halloween, Netflix and Ava DuVernay dressed up former NFL quarterback Colin Kaepernick as a righteous black man. The streaming service and celebrated movie producer borrowed T'Challa's Black Panther costume, Huey P. Huey P. Newton's afro, and the ramblings of In Living, Cover, in, in Living Color present prison revolutionary Oswald Bates. <laughs> Sorry, I tried to stay in character, but at the Oswald Bates reference, for those of you who don't know who that is, it's the guy I quote all the time, okay? When you take the tangible assets and plunge them into the fallopian tubes, okay? It's that guy. That, that's who it is, okay? <laughs> to portray Kaepernick as the modern-day Muhammad Ali. Despite their best efforts and three hours of edited content, Kaepernick still came across as far more Clayton Bigsby. Now, he did not consult with me before he wrote this, man, all right? I sent him a text yesterday, brother, you dropped my favorite In Living Color character and my favorite Dave Chappelle skit in the same column without even, Clayton Bigsby is, is one of the greatest moments in the history of American television. You need to go on YouTube, you need to, you need to Google that. You discovered it like a few days ago, right? We watched it as okay. a family. Yes, yes, every family should. Every family should. Just so you know how much Steve's believes what he's saying, it was like a year, a year and a half ago, where it came up off air, and I said, I don't know what you're talking about. I made y'all watch Steve it. Steve stopped everything. He says, we are not doing anything until you watch this. Clayton Bigsby is one of the greatest moments in the history of American television. In fact, it was invented for moments like Clayton Bigsby. All right? Clayton Bigsby is the character Dave Chappelle plays, who is the blind black man who thinks he's a white supremacist. All right? And that, it's one of the greatest five minutes of television that has ever aired, ever. All right. Some of the finest literature in all of American history portrayed right there. Well, pardon the pun in living color. Huh? See what I did there? Huh? You, you okay. got to watch it all the way. Yeah, to the yeah end. you do. All right, let's yeah. let's move on. All right. Uh, Kaepernick still came across as far more Clayton Bigsby than black revolutionary in the six part miniseries. Colin in black and white. You remember Bigsby. He was a Dave Chappelle character, the blind black man who joined the KKK. Only a member of the KKK could fully enjoy DuVernay and Kip Kaepernick's portrayal of black manhood. According to the miniseries, being a black man is about wearing braids and cornrows, eating highly seasoned fried foods, feeling degraded, dehumanized, and offended at so-called microaggressions, and fantasizing about loving black women while dating white and or biracial women. Black and white erased any doubts about the fraudulence and substance deficiency of Colin Kaepernick, the biracial football player turned activist. Cap, DuVernay, and Netflix share the same view of black men as the KKK. According to black and white, black men have been feminized to the point that we obsess about our hairstyles. Episode one of the miniseries is titled Cornrows. In it, DuVernay and Kaepernick venerate former NBA star Allen Iverson in his hair. Cap, Cap, Cap states that Iverson, quote, embraced his culture. He braided his hair. The episode focuses on Kaepernick's white adoptive parents' mixed feelings about cornrows. His mother goes from paying for his hair to be braided and purchasing the multitude of maintenance accessories to complaining that the hairstyle made 
made her son look like a thug. Cap's father justifiably wonders why any man would waste time, energy, and thoughts on a hairstyle when that time and energy thought could be used on much higher priorities. That's There's a dad. That's a dad for you. Many black parents have the exact same thoughts and concerns, and they express these concerns in the exact same fashion. The Kaepernicks were not racist. They were being pragmatic. Today, cornrows, braids, buns, dreadlocks, and exotic hair colors do convey a thug image as much as they convey daddy issues. They're byproducts of young boys who spent more time waiting on their mamas at a beauty salon than sitting with their daddies inside a barber shop. The Kaepernick miniseries should be retitled Daddy Issues. It was an exploration of the problems caused by the absence of Kaepernick's black biological father. Kaepernick dropped to his knees because he really wants to swing from a stripper pole. That's the real takeaway from Black and White. It's a story about a man struggling with the identity who chose a woman to tell his story. It's what the autobiography of Malcolm X would read like if Alexandria Haley had written it instead. Yikes. Uh, may, the, many scenes were left on the cutting room floor to make room for the fried chicken and pork chops that DuVernay depicted. Every time Cap showed up at a black house, the place was swimming in Lowry seasoned salt, Crisco, and collard greens. <laughs> the series insinuated that Kaepernick instantly felt more comfortable in surroundings that produce high blood pressure, diabetes, and heart disease. Um, it's a natural instinct, not a remnant of slavery, for black men to prefer food that kills. This piece, guys. As J- Jimmy J.J. Walker used to say, it's dynamite, okay? I mean, um, uh, let's get to the end. What I found hysterical is Kaepernick portraying himself as a lover of dark chocolate. His longtime girlfriend handler, Nessa, is Egyptian. She's not black. Her specialty isn't fried chicken and collard greens. She's Kardashian. Before Nessa, Cap was linked to Bundle of Britney or Britney Renner, the African-American Instagram Barbie doll who has been auctioning herself off to athletes for the last decade. Oh my gosh, I'm seriously in love with Jason Whitlock, man. I mean, hope, hope, hope. It's a total bro thing, okay? But that, that clip right there, that, that paragraph, and then there's this. Cap has a type, and it looks nothing like the black girl in his miniseries. Cap prefers Becky Shabazz over Betty Shabazz. Cap is a fraud and not a very smart one. Um, this has much more to say, but his, this is the final line. Whitlock says that Kaepernick is more Cardi B than Huey P. That Folks, I'm so happy he had his road to Damascus moment. So am I, man. I'm, I'm glad he's using these powers for good, right? Siri, how do you win a National Columnist of the Year award? Um, which he has with stuff like that. Our Dr. Pierre Corey is going to drop some truth bombs on early treatment for COVID when we return. Greetings, back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Totters, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox, which you can access by emailing the show. Steve at stevedace.com, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, where every now and then you may see hashtag Facebook approved takes. That's where I post information Facebook doesn't want me to let you see. 
But I have found that they let me have it if I put the regime approved narrative alongside. So I put that hashtag on it. So, you know, I don't really believe the BS I'm, I'm, I'm giving to you. I just want to make sure that I get this information to you. If you don't want to deal with all that, just follow me on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Look for me as well on MeWe, Parlor, Gab, and Getter, where they're not run by somebody who literally might be the Antichrist. Uh, also, you can uh, head over and uh, find videos and clips of the show that are free to watch and free of censorship at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. Again, that is rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. And for those of you that tune into the podcast each day, thank you so much. You're a huge part of the uh, like 400% growth in this show in the last year. Please, if you have not done so yet, leave us a five-star review. Uh, hit subscribe or follow on the podcast platform of your choice, only if you like us. But if you don't like us, we wouldn't ask you to lie, but maybe just keep that opinion to yourself. But if you kind of like us, totally embellish and just go from right, you know, two to three to five stars. Fair? Fair. Okay. Uh, so thank you very much for all those five-star reviews. You guys uh, have helped us uh, in order to overcome Skynet's attempt to suppress this program. So thank you to each and every one of you. Also, want to thank our friends over at ScoreMaster. Uh, they helped me uh, get an obscenely low rate on, my, our, our, on our home refi that we finished about a month ago. And I think that's why they can help you. Because an okay credit score may cost you up to 100 grand over the life of a 30 year home loan. And that's why Scoremaster comes into play. It gives you the knowledge of why you've got the credit scores you do, specifically why, and then specifically what you can do to get to the credit scores you want. I use this program uh, just for my own peace of mind and, and to be armed with the best data and information during our refi earlier this year. The average ScoreMaster user can add up to 60 points in about three weeks or less, all right? So uh, interest rates are still really low. Take advantage of that, but make sure you get the best rates possible because you've got the best credit score possible at the exact same time. All right, so it only takes minutes to enroll. You can see your points, get more points, qualify for the lowest loan rates right now when you visit scoremaster.com slash Steve to get started today at scoremaster.com slash Steve. One of the things we have been focused on on this show is to give you as many resources as possible for effective early treatments for COVID-19. And we are honored now to be joined by somebody who has absolutely been on the front lines of that battle, literally uh, with the Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance. Dr. Pierre Corey is our guest here today on Blaze TV. And uh, Dr. Corey, it's an honor, really, truly, to have you with us, brother. Hey. Thank you very much. Thanks, Steve. It's good to be here. So, uh, doctor, I got uh, yesterday we did a, a mini bonus episode called our overtime and we interviewed a woman named Janet Mueller. I'm sorry, Karen Mueller. She is an attorney in the state of Wisconsin. She is representing a man who is being denied ivermectin and early treatment by the hospital there. Uh, she won at the Circuit Court of Appeals for him to get the treatment. The hospital appealed. Uh, so, and then the state Supreme Court actually, despite the fact the family said, hey, we'll bring in a separate doctor, we will sign off on any form of liability for the hospital if there's any kind of reaction, you're, you're totally off the hook, just let us do something other than just have him just sit here on a ventilator. And the state Supreme Court, by a vote of four to three, said they'd, they'd, they'd rather have this guy die potentially than honor this request. I have gotten so many emails like this cases that didn't go to the Supreme Court in their state, but families wrestling with this all over the country. Is this rare? No, not at all. I mean, there's an attorney uh, from Buffalo, New York, New York named Ralph Larigo, 
I have not been able to keep count with how many cases he has taken to the court uh, to get patients access to ivermectin. I, I mean, the last count was 15 or 16. He's won the majority. Um, and, and every case that he's won, the patients have actually made it home. So it's actually a pretty remarkable record. But he's overwhelmed. I mean, he's he's hiring lawyers. And it's a really unfortunate situation having to go to court. I mean, it's just miserable for everyone involved. And it, it, it shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't be this way. What is... What is the benign, innocent explanation for why a hospital would would still want to avoid this, even when it puts them totally off the hook? What is it? Ooh, uh, a benign one. Um, I, I, I don't know. Maybe they just want to avoid precedent. They don't want to be told how to practice medicine, or they don't want to have outside forces dictating how they practice medicine. But that's not so benign. I mean... Um, I, I don't know. That's a that's a tough question, Steve. I don't I don't see a, a benign interest. I think it's ego, it's arrogance. Um, it does not have the patient's welfare as its primary purpose. Um, it, on a risk-benefit analysis, I mean, ivermectin is one of the safest drugs known to mankind. Literally, one of the safest. It has reproducible efficacy in all phases of the disease. Less so the later on. I mean, it's it is a little bit of um, I wouldn't say it's a hail mary, but it's it's. You know, its efficacy is going to be less the later that you use it, but it's not zero. Um, and it, it, on a risk-benefit analysis, it should be tried. And, and to, to pretend otherwise is really, uh, it's unfair and it's unfortunate. So just to give you some of my personal background, I was an asthmatic as a kid. So I'm very okay. familiar with respiratory ailments and treatments. Um, I was in and out of hospitals. I had to be admitted into hospitals two or three different, uh, several occasions when I was little, when things like nebulizer treatments were cutting edge technology and they only did them in ERs and hospitals. So I had to be yeah. admitted to get those. And, and so I, I have a little personal experience living with respiratory infections and ailments. And I was just stunned to sit here last year and watch as our medical system said there was nothing we could do for a respiratory infection other than go home and isolate for 10 days and then wait to see if you can't breathe. And if you can't come into the hospital and then maybe you'll end up in the ICU on a ventilator where it's literally a flip of a coin that you'll ever get out because apparently we were out of leeches and copper bracelets last year. So yeah. we went with that protocol instead. How is that possible in the 21st century? We had nothing else for a respiratory ailment or infection other than that? It, it, it's really absurd. I mean, it really defies credulity. I, I mean, the idea that we should do supportive care only when there were a lot of promising antivirals, repurposed drugs whose safety profiles we knew. Um, and in, in a novel pandemic or disease, you know, you're, you're kind of, as a physician, you're mandated to try. I mean, the mortality was so high to say that we're not going to use anything and watch these incredible mortality rates. I mean, Steve, I remember, I mean, it, it's so clear to me what was happening. I mean, they were literally running out of ventilators, running out of ICU rooms because doing nothing wasn't working. It was so clear that doing nothing wasn't working. You know, this supportive care only strategy was absurd. And then doctors tried started using things. I, I don't know if you know this, Steve, but I gave a uh, Senate testimony in May of 2020, and I basically shouted out to the world that you needed to use corticosteroids, which I'm sure you know about mm -hmm. as an asthmatic, mm -hmm. that you needed to use it in, in hospital phase disease of COVID. And I did that at a time when every national and international healthcare agency was saying, do not use corticosteroids in this disease. And we knew it was working. I could I could probably spend a half an hour how we knew it was working. But I said that and I got criticized and and 
and harassed and 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 really uh, accused of of really malpractice in a way until eight weeks later when a randomized controlled trial showed that it was absolutely life-saving and critical to use. And now it's the standard of care. You know, so we we on the ground, we know stuff that is used. And I'll tell you, I've gone through like this, this metamorphosis because as a physician, I was kind of trained that there, there's nothing really specific that you can use against the virus. You know, we have like uh, valcyclovir for herpes simplex and then gancyclovir for another virus called CMV. But very few antivirals. Now, where we sit a year and a half later, we have at least two dozen compounds that we know are effective. Many of them safe, almost all of them repurposed. And and many doctors were using that around the world. But in this country, like you pointed out, Steve, it was like literally go home until you turn blue, then come back to the hospital. And even in the hospital, they weren't using, trying stuff. It was It's absurd. It's absurd. It's, it's not what, what a, being a physician means. We're talking to Dr. Pierre Corey. He's with the Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance. Add this, we've given you so many resources over the last few days on the show for early treatment, particularly for those of us living in the North as the seasonal wintry wave now begins uh, to head our way. All right, so COVID19CriticalCare.com is the website. COVID19CriticalCare.com. They even have a PDF, by the way, if you are a physician or you just want to take something to your physician, a full-on treatment protocol PDF. I've got it downloaded on the desktop of my laptop here. I've had it for weeks of what they do, what they recommend. There's a lot of great resources here. COVID19CriticalCare.com. You've used this phrase a few times, repurpose drugs. Explain what that means for us as laymen, and can you give us pre-COVID examples of how these have been utilized in the past? Oh, sure. So a repurposed drug is a drug that is uh, FDA-approved, and it's generally off-patent. So it was approved for one indication, and the reason why we use the word repurpose is because so many mechanisms of disease are similar, and the drugs mechanisms, it might work for one disease and it might work for another. And so when you work, use it for uh, an indication that originally didn't get approval from, it's repurposed. Another word that I use instead of repurposed is nonprofit <laughs> because <laughs> oftentimes um, it's off patent, right? And so when you repurpose a drug, uh, it's off patent. It tends to be very cheap. And unfortunately, I'm going to talk about some sinister stuff here, Steve, but there's been a decades-long war, not only in this country, in many countries, against repurposed drugs. You know, the, the business model of the pharmaceutical industry, it really looks at repurposing of drugs as the enemy because it removes the profit margin. And our system is so geared towards for-profit uh, around uh, around drugs and the marketing of drugs that, that repurposed drugs is the enemy. And, and unfortunately, like you said, you talk about our protocols. The vast, almost everything on our protocols is a repurposed nonprofit drug. And, and it's one of the reasons why we've gotten attacked so viciously. So one, could one sinister example be with ivermectin? So Merck wins a Nobel Prize for the yeah. hundreds of thousands of lives that ivermectin saved back in 2015 as an antiparasitic. Yep. They came out earlier this year with a letter claiming that their own drug that they just won a Nobel Prize for a few years ago is now not safe to be consumed. And then we find out later in that exact same year, they're about to come out with a new uh, early treatment uh, oral drug for COVID-19. Would, would that be some of the sort of sinister stuff that you were alluding to a moment ago? Absolutely. I mean, why? I mean, if ivermectin received approval for treatment of early COVID, 
what would happen to their pipeline drug that they're trying to bring, their on-patent drug that they're trying to bring into the market? It would absolutely decimate the market for that drug. And so literally Merck found itself in competition with their former Nobel Prize winning drug, which had lost its patent protection. And so now they sought to destroy it. That, that statement that they put on their website, it will go in the historical record. It will not age well. It was literally unadulterated lies. Each of the three statements that they put on them were completely and easily provably false statements. And yet, agencies around the world took, the, we're starting to listen to pharmaceutical companies now. I, I mean, it, it's, it's literally absurd what's going on uh, in, in, in the world and the country around the treatment of this disease. We're literally taking guidance from pharmaceutical companies. When this, uh, I did some math on this, Pierre, a few weeks ago, yeah. just to run this by you. So if you look at the early contract, the U.S. government has a $1.2 billion contract with Merck for, is it Mono, I can't pronounce it. Monopiravir, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's $1.2 billion, okay? I did some math. That's $70 a pill. The previous life-saving drug backed by now over 100 studies, ivermectin, we'll talk more about here in a second. Uh, it was, now it's the black market because of the, it's considered contraband, it's driving the price up. But a, a month ago, you could get it for $0.58 cents a pill at GoodRx online with a coupon at Walgreens, all right? Yep. That is an 11,970% profit per pill. Pierre, per pill, not per dosage, per individual pill. 11,970% profit increase for Merck per pill by dissing ivermectin as a repurposed drug for this new cutting edge technology that once we get into real time, who knows, we may find like remdesivir, it doesn't actually work. Big money. Big money and bad behavior, and and bad behavior doesn't even uh, doesn't even really describe what they're doing. I mean, literally, they do not care about the public health or welfare. I mean, pharmaceutical companies, the, the public health is not their primary purpose. Their their primary purpose is to their shareholders and to their profit margin. And and we've got to stop pretending that it's anything but that. I mean, it, I mean, you're seeing you're seeing their behaviors playing out with. You can only describe their behaviors in terms of that, right? Is that they're chasing profits and not health, period. What's your per let's get to the actual treatment stuff now. We we, we discussed this yeah. in a meta level. Let, let's make it personal to everybody li listening right now because I have urged everybody listening to take advantage of these resources because to me, I think every American has a choice right now that unless you can die – and tell me if you think this is wrong, by the way, because if it's wrong, yeah. I want to be corrected because unless okay. you can confirm – Within this calendar year that you had a, a, a confirmed case of COVID in recovery, as I did, I had COVID in May and recovered, yep. all right? Unless I can confirm I have some level of natural immunity, given what we saw with the seasonal wave in the Sun Belt, how worse it was this year compared to last, what the early indicators are now in the North, right now in America, the first four weeks of October, Pierre, we have 69% more COVID cases, 85% more COVID deaths than we had the first four weeks of October a year ago. And the winter wave in the densely populated north is just beginning. So I've told our audience that unless you know you can confirm in this calendar year a recovered case of COVID, you basically all, everyone in your household has a choice. And that is to either get on the installment plan of boosters and more boosters and boosters forever with these waning efficacy vaccines or, or understand options for early treatment. 
Is that accurate information that I gave my audience in your view as a physician? 100%. I mean, 100%. And that's, and you also, you highlighted the fact that our response to this pandemic, I mean, the vaccines we know are not, not going to, as a sole response to this pandemic are insufficient. They're not solving the pandemic. We need multiple other strategies. And early treatment is the one that's been largely suppressed. Early treatment works. The one message I want to give your audience is that not only does early treatment work, there's at least two dozen compounds. If you look at our treatment protocols, we have any number of agents. And what I want your listeners to understand is just like you said, as this winter wave comes, be ready. Have a treatment kit in the cupboard. Many public health uh, ministries around the world have used early treatment programs to incredible successes, right? There are some regions of the world where they eradicated COVID with a widespread early treatment and prevention uh, protocol. And so, so we need to do the same in this country. Unfortunately, our agencies are not guiding us. And that's why myself and my nonprofit and my colleagues, that's why we've put together our website. And we're trying to, we're trying to offer guidance of stuff that we know works. And so, um, I think I think your your interest in this and and your shout out like to your audience to listen uh, and get ready. I mean, they they, they can protect themselves. Um, you know, when you look at our protocol, so all of our protocols are centered around ivermectin, meaning that is a key component of them. But there's really simple stuff that people could use and get ready for. So, for instance, there's been a number of trials showing that if you use simple viricidal mouthwashes, so viricidal means it can kill the virus, it can kill SARS-CoV-2, and there's a number of them on the market that they have this special um, sort of uh, chemical in there that kills the virus. If you use mouthwashing three times a day with nasal drops of like povidone iodine, that's where all the virus is early on. So when you're in that kind of cold syndrome or flu syndrome that it presents with, all of the viral burden is in the na nasal and oral pharynx. And so if you can sort of sanitize that with a viricidal mouthwash or drops, you'll greatly decrease the viral burden and your course of illness will be markedly impacted. The, the, the decreases in hospitalization rates with, with in countries that they did these studies where simple sort of what we call oropharyngeal sanitization is just dramatically different. I mean, it's literally saves lives and prevents hospitalization. That And that's just one component we have on there. And so that's probably the simplest. You don't need a prescription. You don't need a doctor. Um, you just need to know where to get and how to dose it. And it's, it's also inexpensive. And so that's some of the simple stuff uh, that you could do. And then we have a number of other medicines that you can use that are effective in the early phase. And early treatment is the key because you want to avoid hospital and you want to avoid that pulmonary phase that comes later. And so mm -hmm. it, it's really, I want this message to be really positive is mm -hmm. that there are really good treatments. Um, I would say this though, the older you are and the more uh, farther along you are in the disease, the more stuff you need, right? So the older, the sicker you are. So let's say you have a lot of comorbidities, obesity, diabetes are, are pretty much the chief ones, or you're an older age, or you're older in disease, meaning day three, four, and five, it's so much easier if you start treatment on day one. I mean, literally, you can sort of turn this around and almost end it within a few days if you start immediately upon first symptoms. Many patients come to me, they've been sick for four, five, six, seven days, and I have to use combinations of treatments. And so, you know, in, in many cases, you're going to need a doctor and who's going to have to be aggressive because the one message that I've learned with COVID is you can't fall behind. I just do not want that pulmonary phase to start. So I'll do everything I can to make sure that the symptoms are lessening and the patients are starting to feel better quickly. 
here. How many patients have you personally consulted or treated during the pandemic so far? What'd you say? So let me divide them into outpatient and inpatient. Outpatient in the hundreds, I would say one to 200. And even though I don't have an outpatient practice, I mean, I've just my huge circle and network. And Mm -hmm. now I'm a a little bit of a a figure. And so, I mean, widen, ever widening circles of people I know have, have reached out to me for help. So I've treated outpatients. And then, you know, I'm a lung and ICU specialist. And so I've treated many hundreds in the ICU over the last year and a half. So you've gotten Uh, your hands dirty proverbially speak, you know, proverbial speaking here. I mean, you have, oh, yeah. this isn't theoretical. I just want our audience to understand. These aren't theoretical exercises. You have applied the very treatments we're talking about right now. You can personally attest as a physician. One of the more tra- tragic things I saw last year is uh, the decorated Yale doctor and epidemiologist, Harvey Risch, was on CNN yeah. talking about hydroxychloroquine. And, uh, and uh, the CNN uh, anchor, kept throwing at him these new peer-reviewed studies that show it doesn't work. And Rish is like, dude, I don't need studies. I've, I've got patient files. I gave the drug to patients. I saw it work. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need somebody's concocted study when I have a patient's record and they didn't sue me for, for liability as a physician, so sure. I know it works. So that's what, that's what I want to know, and our audience wants to know, have you seen these things work in real time? Because I go on Twitter, there's a study, counter study, study, counter study, because everybody's got their agenda. You have seen these things actually work. You've put these things into people's body bodies and watched oh, them heal them. Without question. And, and you know... You know, the, the sad thing, let me just say one thing about the studies, though, Steve, because you're absolutely right. For the casual and the non-scientist, non-physician, you, you can hear one person use their studies to say it doesn't work. And another one says that they do, they do work. For me, though, the preponderance of the studies for both hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin clearly show it's effective. So the studies are there. They just try to be ignored or suppressed or distorted. And so because um, it really is a war out there and it's, it's a war on our health. And, and again, it's going back to that profit motive and our system. But but beyond the studies, yes, of course, it works. You can tell it works. One, one thing that makes an expert is what's called pattern recognition. And especially when you become expert at COVID, I know the pattern. I know the typical sort of syndrome of symptoms and the general rate of resolution, like how fast it gets better. And when you use, for instance, ivermectin, from my my first patient, I'll tell you, let me just give the anecdote of my first patient. They were sick for about 10 days. This is way back in, let's say, October. I started using ivermectin in October 2020, a year ago. And they had fevers. They felt unwell. They had a high heart rate. They were going to bed every night with a heart rate of like 110 to 120. Mm. Treated them with ivermectin on Sunday night. They, they flushed. They had like a, some night sweats that night. In the morning, they woke up. Their heart rate was 80. They had no more fevers, and they felt like 100 times better. It was a dramatic response. And that was my first patient. And ever since then, I generally see, especially if I start early, reproducible, consistent sort of lessening of at least one important symptom. If they were having fevers, they defervesce. If they were getting fatigued, they feel a little bit more energy. If they're having some muscle aches and pains, the muscle aches and pains are lessened or they go away. And so you can pretty quickly see a clinical response in your patients. And so it's it's not subtle. It's actually not subtle at all. And I'll tell you, Steve, this is the other thing. Any doctor out there who puts down ifermectin or says it doesn't work because of this study, that study, there's just one gold gold standard question. Have you used it in the care of a COVID patient? And if you haven't, if you have no experience, um, just like you asked the question, that, that shows that it's really not, it's not a credible opinion then. I mean, I mean I'm telling you, it, it's not subtle when you use it, how effective it is. 
Two questions before we let you go. I want to make these things sure. as very practical and helpful for our audience as possible. Okay. Someone is in a hospital right now or has a physician that won't help them right now get this prescription, get the early protocol treatments that they need. What would you suggest they do? To get the, to how to get the, these medicines prescribed like that are on our protocol? Correct. Yes. As an so the only one would be, first of all, go to our website. The short form is flccc.net. You can see the medicines and approaches. Um, then you'd find, want to find a doctor. We have we don't curate the list. We don't have any conflicts of interest. But there is a button on our website that says get ivermectin. It really is just to a list, a directory of of lots of practices around the country that we know use our protocols and and you can get a telehealth provider. Luckily, telehealth providers are allowed to treat COVID across state lines uh, during this pandemic. And so there's a whole bunch of them. So you can get prescriptions, um, I would say like a just-in-time prescription. So I would actually get it now, have it in the cupboard so you don't have to, you don't wanna fall ill and then have to chase down a, a doctor. And I think a lot of these doctors would help you do that. They would pre-prescribe in the event that you get sick. And that's my dream, Steve, is that every household in the country should have in their cupboard, you know, an early treatment kit with any number of the, the items that we have on there for, for the worst case scenario. Let's say you are really sick or have comorbidities and you need more than just one agent. Um, you should have them all ready. And so that, that would be my advice. Second question then along those lines, you kind of already answered it. Would you suggest basically every household has like you have like ibuprofen? Aspirin, yes, Benadryl, absolutely. all right? Certain things that you just have as a prophylaxis uh, preventative measure that you know at some point you will need and you change them out every couple of years when they expire, right? But every medicine cabinet has these. Would you suggest every household in this audience has these sorts of prophylaxis items, including ivermectin right now? 100%. I, I mean, that is exactly, as a physician, that is my advice. Very strong advice. Get ready, be prepared. Um, you don't want this disease to, to, to creep up on you un, unprepared, period. Get ready. There's ways that you can treat it. Have those agents ready for you at your home. Uh, know the doses um, and, you know, and, and reach out to a doctor. There are doctors out there that will help you do this. Is there something that you can be told that you have shown is just bad advice? Don't follow it. Yeah, like uh, stay at home, wait till you turn blue. I mean, that that's absolutely <laughs> right? ludicrous. I mean, that's just the worst advice I've ever heard. Um, it, it just, no, you, you need to have agency. You need to go after this thing. Um, I would say monitor yourself for symptoms. And I'm going to say this. Here's another important point, Steve, because I've had a couple of people that I know really well who blew off their COVID because they thought it was a cold. <laughs> I have to say one thing. Any any syndrome that acts like a cold right now, it should be considered COVID until proven otherwise. Mm -hmm. And even if the test is negative, hey, this is what happened to me. I had my I thought yeah. it came around the same time as my normal sinus infection. And it looked like that. Mm. And then three days later, I'm at a speaking engagement in South Dakota. And suddenly it feels like there's a damn tire iron on my chest and I cannot breathe. And I'm like, that's not an asthma attack. OK, I don't know what that is. Turns out it was and suddenly I can't taste. I can't smell. It was COVID. It was not a sinus infection. So I, I can verify personally yeah. what you're talking about. That's really important, right? Because part of, part of early treatment is you need the diagnosis. And I have seen people make that mistake and then they're behind the eight ball. You know, they're four or five days into COVID and you lost a window of opportunity to treat much more effectively. And so um, I think everybody should self-monitor and anything that seems like a cold is coming on, you want to get uh, tested early. And even if the test is negative, because I've even seen negative, I mean, there are false negatives. There's clearly false negatives. Um, 
you might even want to consider treatment, uh, uh, even even in the setting of a negative test. And so, especially because this stuff, even with the black market driving the prices up, is still relatively inexpensive vis-a-vis yes. the cost of not doing these things or subjecting yourself to the uh, put yourself on a ventilator system. Right? Clearly, absolutely, I totally agree, 100%. brother. Brother, you are doing the Lord's work. I mean, you have saved uh, a lot of lives, and I just can't thank you enough. Thank you for your time. We'd love to have you back, and God bless you, okay? Anytime, Steve. Thanks for that. Thank Great. you. You bet. Take care. Again, uh, COVID19criticalcare.com. The, the website he gave you will just direct you to that website. COVID19criticalcare.com. Again, COVID19criticalcare.com. And uh, we mentioned if you're last week, sevencells.com. There's seven states they can't fulfill. There's 43 they can for ivermectin. Uh, so if you are, if you are in a place where your local pharmacy will not help you, Seven Cells, C-E-L-L-S, sevencells.com. Use my name, Steve. They'll give you a discount because, yeah, the cost has gone up. It's not as inexpensive as it was, but it's still a lot less expensive than ending up in an ICU, okay? All right, when we come back, we're going to discuss, I want Aaron and Todd, you guys listen to the full 30 minutes of that, and I want you to compare and contrast that conversation with most of the conversation that's gone on around treating COVID in the media for the last year for fake news or not, all right? All right. We'll do that when we come back. So how did you choose uh, which internet service provider to use? You know, the sad thing is that most of us have very little choice uh, because internet service providers operate like monopolies in regions that they serve and they use that monopoly power to take advantage of their customers with data caps and streaming throttles and the list goes on. Facebook announcing that they're going to stop their facial recognition program and get rid of the data they have on a billion people. Do you believe that? If, if, mm. if, if you believe that, honestly... Reconsider procreation. <laughs> Do not take your genetic code and carry it on to the next generation. We are in enough trouble as it is. Okay? Come on, man. Come on. All right? That's why you want to protect your devices with ExpressVPN, a simple app for your computer or smartphone that encrypts all of your network data and funnels it through a secure VPN server so that your ISP can't see any of your activity. And that's how you can uh, enjoy life and privacy on the interwebs. Easy to install. Uh, It takes five minutes or less on all of your devices. I've got it installed on my phone here on my laptop as well. So stop handing over your personal data to ISPs and other big tech giants who mine your activity, sell your information, and then that's obviously when they're not lobbying for policies that hate you. All right. Protect yourself with a VPN and use the one that I trust to keep my stuff private online and has won all kinds of awards as well with expressvpn.com slash Steve. Find out how to get three months for free, by the way, with a one-year package. Three months for free with a one-year package when you go to expressvpn.com slash Steve. All right, let's get to fake news or not. So I'm just now going to turn this over to the two of you. Todd and Aaron, you each had an opportunity to hear a nearly 30-minute conversation with Dr. Pierre Corey and I. He's from the uh, Frontline COVID Critical Care Alliance. He has treated hundreds of patients with ivermectin, seen the results with the ivermectin protocol. You can get that, by the way. There's a PDF if you are a physician or you want to get it to your physician. They've got all of that set up there on that website, okay? 
Um, what is it again? COVID19criticalcare.com. COVID19, the number 19. COVID19criticalcare.com. But here, I mean, I'll, I'll show you just to verify it, Todd. You see this thing right here, okay? Let me call that PDF up here on my computer. And... That's the PDF. Yeah. That's their iMask PDF protocol. So I've, I've had it saved on my laptop here for a couple of months now. All right. So you guys heard that conversation. Now I want you to compare it and contrast it to what is typically discussed in our media across the country, trying to inform the citizenry about the treatment of COVID. Well, I, I think I think the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway from, from that conversation with Dr. Corey is having is having something in place, maybe prophylactically, but just something prepared, so that oh bleep, I can't taste anything. I might, I, I think I might mm-hmm. have COVID, mm-hmm. and I have this co- comorbidity, or uh, I'm at this risk factor, or I, I have something ready to go. Because as Dr. Corey said, I mean the worst advice, and it's been the advice basically given this entire damn time. It's it's somewhat understandable the first couple, two, three, maybe four weeks back in March of the pandemic when we're still trying to figure out what's going on. We just don't really have our our, our treatment uh, options in place. Stay at home until you turn blue. That's not going to cut it ever, hardly ever. If you do that, as, you, as you've explained, Steve, going to end up probably intubated, and it's a, it's a 50-50 chance um, if, you, if you make it out alive. Uh, from that so so that's the big thing and uh, you know what treatment options really when was the last time that you can actually actually remember a treatment a treatment for COVID-19 being positively discussed on the air anywhere mainstream even the big pharma ones Unless it was monoclonal antibodies, which they mocked in Florida until it, you know, started saving people's lives. And so we had to start rationing it. it it's not even part of the vocabulary. It's not even part of the treatment is not a part of the, the vocabulary. It's, it's vaccine or death, which might still get death <laughs> regardless, thanks to, you know, the, the lacking and waning efficacy of these vaccines. So uh, comparing and, and contrasting with what we hear from mainstream sources, we hear not a damn thing about treatment from mainstream sources. So we're left with the black market, burgeoning black market, that is ivermectin and and others as well. And um, I, I would just say as well, as a reminder, the vaccine cult, which is basically the branch Covidian cult, the vaccine cult, um... This is not all, this is not all just profit motive from Big Pharma, guys. Correct me if I'm wrong. We've already committed to pay as the U.S. government, and thus us, we've already committed to pay for all of these vaccines that we've ordered, Mm -hmm. regardless of whether or not they're used. So it's not just a matter of uh, uh, we're afraid to waste these vaccines, when was the last time the federal government was afraid of wasting anything? It's not about Pfizer thinking, oh, no, we're not tapping into this market. They're already paid, and they're already jacking up the prices for their vaccines already. It's about something different. Uh, much with every other 
every other viral mitigation strategy that was unnatural from the beginning of this pandemic. It's about something completely different. It's about power and control over you. Yeah, we're beating that dead horse. But when you hear what we heard from Karen Mueller yesterday, a hospital is trying to kill a man, and the Supreme Court of Wisconsin is aiding and abetting that hospital. That's a sentence that should never be uttered in any sane society. Preach, You need to be prepared. Guys, with the size of our audience now, it's really only a matter of time till that guy might be you. And I'm not trying to scare you. I hate, I hate the panic porn. But you don't want to be caught. You don't know this, this virus, after it's not behaving at this point, overall in a macro setting, like most viruses behave. Don't be panicked. There's a difference. Between, be prepared. This is the same situation. This is the same talk. The very first talk you gave about coronavirus your main thing was just be prepared, take mm-hmm. lots of vitamin D. It's basically the same thing. Now mm-hmm. we might need some bigger guns, bigger tools to deal with it. But be prepared. Don't be panicked, but be prepared. I don't think that here's the difference for, between what you're doing and panic porn. You're trying to prepare people with solutions that empower them to remain in control of their situation. Panic porn is going. And panic porn in your is basement. you lose your mind and then give panic, over your freedom and liberty to them. Panic as a, porn is keeping your nine-year-old daughter locked in her basement for a year and a half, almost two years. And you're six hundred pounds. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Todd. In the school board election that my wife has been going through, uh, there's been this small horde of LGBT activists that have come out and are demanding what you are predictably, I don't need to explain what they're demanding, but you know, special rights to be, to be noticed, to be fawned over. And, uh, my wife's response has been, no, this is about the golden rule. Uh, we're going to treat other people the way we would want uh, to be treated across the board. We're not going to create special classes of citizens. Well, that's very much what we are doing here and what Dr. Corey laid out regarding the preposterousness of the so-called science and medicine being practiced here because th- there's just simply classes of people all along the progressive line that have no interest in treating anyone the way they would like to be treated. All you are to them is somebody who can or cannot validate yes. what they want. Yes. Yes. LGBT. You're a commodity. Medicine, That's it. Yes. And, and, that, and if you can't, if you die, so be it. And that's... Best case. Yep. Worst case is you deserve to die. Because you didn't. Yes. yes. That's why they're gleeful on Twitter whenever somebody, Christy Swanson, the actress, is getting it now, right? Yes. COVID did to her what it did to my wife. It gave her pneumonia. Yes. Now they're, she's being treated for it. Yes. And they just, of course, we don't know what killed Hank Aaron. It, it, Colin Powell, double vaccinated, died just two weeks. None of that. Because those deaths doesn't matter if it deflects from their narrative. Because narrative is all that matters. Yes. And the proof here. And Steve and I were talking about this a couple of days ago off air, but I'm well enough known in my uh, 
school district because of who I am, what I do, my daughter's success, things like that. There's good name, but people like they were given the softer side of Sears. They had a choice of not having to deal with me on a regular basis. They were given my wife still no quarter. The hellhounds came up perhaps even harder. I need because it was never yeah. about your tone. No, That's no, no. A lie. It's never yeah. about you. It, that is exactly right. That's my point. You folks have got to wake up. There's a reason why we have had doctor after doctor that we can get our hands on, epidemiologist after epidemiologist, expert after expert, and you've gotten to see them and know them. There's no tinfoil hats. They are you and me. They're regular guys, regular gals who are, you heard Karen Mueller, she's like, why is no one out here doing this work? You, you've been lied to. The, 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 the degree that you've been lied to is ivermectin. You're given a boost within the 10-yard line. You're in the, red, you're in the red zone. And the lack of talking about it, what you hear, going back to Steve's original question, is the equivalent of being all the way back with your back backed up against the other end zone. Okay, that's just the omission factor. You're 100 yards away. Now you go with the manipulation, the propaganda. Now you're outside the frickin' stadium. You're not allowed in the game in, to watch. I, I don't know what other ways, and trust me, we've been doing this for 20 months, trying to talk you off the ledge to convince you this isn't what they're telling you. We are trying if not us, if not Dr. Corey, who, when, how? There have all along, all along, starting back in March 2020, there was always a different way. Many of us knew it. Many of us begged you to try. If not now, when? I don't know what else to say. I keep trying to talk and talk and talk, thinking there's a magic bullet. Ultimately, it's your invincible ignorance at this point that is your idol. I don't know. And if that takes you to your deathbed, I hope it was all worth it. Well, I, I'm actually encouraged because of the amount of doctors that we've been able to get on and have on because of the fact that they're legitimately scared they might lose a few school boards around the country here today. Because of the fact that, did you know what a Glenn Youngkin was? Six months ago, Never I, I, had no, I, I didn't have a clue. Okay. And was, you know me, I was, I'm largely divorced from partisan politics because I just don't view it as worthy of my time. Um, he may end up being the next governor of Virginia, defeating the old governor of Virginia. I mean, there are, um, America Airlines is uniquely apparently susceptible to the gusty winds at DFW and none of the other airlines were just like Southwest was a few weeks ago. I mean, you've got CEOs of corporations going to the Biden White House saying, you guys are going to have to put this fax mandate off because we're, we're just going to lose too many employees. It ain't happening. I, I, I think that a lot, of, a lot of people are standing up and hearing what you're trying to motivate them to hear. I think you're seeing the evidence of that. Now, I have no idea if it's too late. I have no idea how fast it will manifest itself. But it's pretty clear there's a groundswell out there. And, and you know, we're not Rush Limbaugh. We don't have the kind of platform that we could create Dan's bake sale level of 
of of a groundswell on our on our own, mm-hmm. even with the growth of our show, which tells you that this is this is wide in scope beyond our own ecosystem and ecosystems like ours. That there is a movement up there, uh, that there is a rising going on out there. So I'm encouraged. I I don't know. I don't guarantee any outcomes. I don't know if it's too late. I just wanted I just wanted us at the very least. I, I I'm actually more pragmatic than people think. I just don't view losing on any level and losing slower as a win. All I ask, all I'm asking for is we go down swinging. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think we're going to go at the very least I can say with some confidence, we're going to go down swinging. We may not go down now. I don't know, but I think we're at least going to go down swinging if we do. I wouldn't have said that maybe necessarily earlier this year, but I think, I think we are going to go down swinging. I'm encouraged on that front. Uh, also, I want to encourage you on the way out of here. If you want to get involved in the real estate markets, uh, we were talking earlier when we talked about ScoreMaster, how low the interest rates are right now. Still a great time uh, to to buy into the real estate market. If you want to get out of a COVID stand state and you want to get into a state that still believes in some form of freedom and liberty, we can help you with that with a real estate agent you can trust. Where would you find them? Well, the name of the website kind of says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com. It's the perfect tool for these unprecedented times. Bing. Thank you. Uh, and that is where you're going to find a real estate agent who will come in, take charge of your situation while remembering that you ultimately are in charge and they've got a fully vetted track record of success as well. They don't just talk a good game. They can deliver the results you want. So check it out for yourself at realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, we got about a minute left here. I want to I want to preview the overtime. Um, we were going to do this yesterday and then we had an opportunity to get Karen Mueller on and hear this story that was literally a life and death situation. So we called an audible. Let's prioritize that. And we're going to do this rundown today. You do not want to miss this. Our, our friend, Andrew Bostom, the uh, MD and epidemiologist at Brown university uncovered this data. I'm going to walk you through this in the overtime. And I just want to get you guys' reaction to this. He walked through the, the, the length of methodology, the depth of methodology that was practiced for the polio vaccine for something that was a lot deadlier, a lot higher IFR, CFR, and still... Attack children. Yeah, and, and went after children, the young, yes. Something that was dem- demonstrably more deadly and, and not as age stratified as what we're dealing with with COVID. And yet the depths of methodology that they went through in order to can be convinced of its safety compared to what has gone on with COVID vaccine testing. You, these are, this is data you got to see for yourself today. BlazeTV.com slash Dace. We're going to record it here in just a moment for subscribers. For the rest of you, we'll see you tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.